Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Carrick Jones. Carrick, where are you at? What are you up to? Currently at uh, Woodhaven High School um, in Michigan. It's um, 20 minutes south of Detroit um, and just finished a, a pretty good year. Um, lost in the third round of the playoffs uh, to the arch rival. Uh, just a tough season, but had an all-state second team kid, and that in Michigan doesn't happen unless you go really far in the playoffs. So that was it was cool to get uh, a player that high for sure. When you talk about someone doing that well individually, what's like? What is it like as a coach to have a player with that ability? You know, I, I I've only had two in high school. I, I had one at my my previous stop, um, and, and we we made a deep run, and he was like two off from from being Mister Soccer. But just to have somebody you know, like you have other guys that play high level club, but you have one guy that can be a game changer I, in high school, especially. You know, when, when maybe your depth doesn't go past your ninth guy, right? You don't you don't have, you know, a ton of guys who play at a high level. To have somebody you can lean on like that was awesome. You know, Nolan's a great kid. He's going to probably Michigan. He wants to be a, a doctor. So and, and that was the other thing, to have a kid who's not probably playing in college and be sitting in meetings like, well, I mean, look at his stats. Look what he's done. You know, he's he's not here for the accolades like a lot of the guys you get at that level. So that was uh, – it was really cool. And how long have you been at the school? So this was my first season. Um, and that was interesting. They had had the same coach for probably want to say at least 10 years. Um, so to come in and take over somebody who built an awesome program, um, it was, it was nice. It was kind of like plug and play, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years younger than their former coach Scott. And I've, I, it's not even that we do things, you know, right or wrong. It's just different. You know, I, I'm, I'm 30. He's not 30. Um, I'm, a very quiet person where he's, you know, a lot, he's been a teacher for, you know, 30 years. So he, he in middle school, so he can command a room. Um, and I'm a school counselor. That's not, <laughs> not my go-to. I, I taught for a few years, but um, I, I'm, so the meshing of the personalities and, and getting the guys to be like, no, I'm making you guys do this student led. It's I'm, I'm the boss, but I'm not the boss. Um, you know, you guys have a problem. You need to figure it out. I'll mediate it, but I'm not, figure it out. So that was, it was fun. It was interesting. Um, they had never gone, at least this group, I think they had in previous years, pre COVID, but this group had never gone through like a full, you know, summer two, three days a week training regimen. So that was interesting. Um, but the crazy thing about Woodhaven is, so it's 20 minutes South of Detroit. I live 30 minutes North of Detroit. So it's a 45 minute to an hour drive after school with traffic. Cause you, getting through the city at rush hour is impossible. Um, and I knew that going in, but I, I had only driven it, you know, midday or on a Saturday. So that was a whole different animal too. Like having to text my captain's like, uh, there's a crash on 75. So hopefully one of my assistants is there, but you guys got to get it going because I can't move. <laughs> um, so that was a whole nother dynamic to add to it. You talk about some of the cons of the drive. What were some of the pros? What were some good things about having that 15-minute drive before and after practice? Honestly, um, you know, my, my first coaching job, I had a similar drive, but I, it, it allows me to, to check out of my school counselor mindset and, um, you know, how my, my day went, you know, even if it was utter chaos. and listen to a podcast, listen to music, and, and just kind of relax and Normally I would have the training plan going in, but being like, yeah, I could do this. We could tweak this, especially on game days. I, I loved it because 
you know, we rotated which coaches took the bus and I, I'm somebody who hates being on the bus, but I could just kind of get and get my own zone and, you know, get in the proper mindset. So I think that aspect was good. I think sometimes the drive home, there's a little bit where it's, you know, especially after being in a school building all day from, you know, eight until three, like, okay, I just want to go home and get in bed, take a shower, eat something. Um, but yeah, I, I think that time to spend with myself, I think was really good and constructive, not just coaching wise, but just for, you know, my mood and, and just kind of sorting out other stuff, whether it's work or relationships or all that kind of stuff. So you talk about living around the Detroit area. Is that where you were born and raised or where did, and where did Carrick begin this whole kind of love of soccer? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was born and raised, um, North of Detroit in Mount Clemens. Um, I've lived here my whole life. Um, I live in my grandparents' house. My, my grandparents' old house now is my house. So I literally, I think I moved six blocks. Um, I spent four years living on campus at Detroit Mercy. So that's really the only time that I haven't, um, lived at home, but even then Detroit Mercy's a commuter school. So I was coming home, if not every weekend, I was staying with friends that lived around campus. Um, I went to, so I started playing soccer, um, in fourth or fifth grade at St. Mary's in Mount Clemens, uh, the cat, the local Catholic school CYO. Um, from there I went and played in high school at Cardinal Mooney Catholic, which is this itty bitty, um, Catholic school. I think when I was there, we had probably 200 kids. Um, my sister's 22. And when she graduated, they're at like 150. I think they're between 150 and 200. But, you know, the opportunity to play there, I, I was thinking about it in the car on the way home. Like, I probably wouldn't have made a team at a, one of the local public schools, and, or I'd be stuck in JV for three years. Like, I wasn't a good player. Um, you know, I did, I did really well at my little school with getting stats. But like, for a year or two there, like I was, they were using me like a hockey player to go protect our, our, you know, our high level athletes that were college basketball players eventually. Like I, I, you know, so I, I, I always joke with people. I'm, I always have taken myself as kind of like a poor man, Stan Van Gundy. Like he didn't, you know, play basketball really. He was there, but he wasn't playing. I mean, I got to play a little bit more. Um, so, you know, I went to Cardinal Mooney, um, I never got to play club. I was really involved in Boy Scouts. And, um, you know, I don't come from a lot of money despite having to go to private school. It's because of how bad our local public school is. My parents weren't going to send me there. Um, so they were, I played a little bit of club my junior and senior year when I was kind of getting some looks to play at a, like a low college level. But it was like, you know, be on one of the huge clubs like C team and play in tournaments. And we need a body so it's free. Um, it, it was never you know, show up to training and, and drive around. And my mom was pretty adamant that like scouts is going to be your thing, which I, I think for me, character development wise, it was awesome. Like I was really involved in like the National Honor Society of Boy Scouts. And I was kind of going all over the state and the country at like 14. Um, but I, I think soccer wise, it kind of hindered my development because it was like, no, there's no, there's no spring season for you. Um, so yeah, I, I graduated in 2011. Um, I started coaching two weeks after my senior year season ended, uh, my little sister had indoor and I just kind of walked in and started helping. And I, so I coached her an indoor when she was in like third grade, um, went away to college, took a year away from soccer, uh, attempted to walk on at Detroit Mercy that failed miserably. Um, I got through like a practice and a half. Um, 
and it, I was just friends with guys on the team. And they're like, I mean, you can try it. It's not going to go well for you. <laughs> and it didn't. Uh, I was in no shape to be running around with D1 soccer players. Um, so, I mean, I played like intramural. And then um, my sophomore year of college, um, I showed up to one of my sister's practices. And the lady that was coaching her was talking to my mom and like started talking to me. And she's like, you know a ton about this. Like I played in high school, but you know way more than me. And I'm like, eh, I don't really think so. And she kept prodding me and prodding me before college started again. And I was like, fine, I'll help. Um, so my mom, one of my mom's friends worked across the street from Detroit Mercy where I went to college and I didn't drive even at 18, 19, I didn't get my license. I was 21. So I'd walk to her office, hop in the car with her, go coach my sister's team in the evening and then get a ride with her back down to school the next morning. And I did that for a season. Um, and that team out of the 21 girls that played, 15 played in soccer in college and four more played other sports. And then you have my sister's friends who all went to art school and uh, didn't play much past high school. Um, so there was that. Uh, the, the following year, um, I coached my sister's team again by myself. Um, we didn't have as many high-level players. They made a rule where the travel girls couldn't play CYO. Um, and then the year after that, I was going to go coach club. Um, with the lady that I had been coaching my sister with and just some stuff happened. I, it's funny cause I'm, I'm friends with all the guys now, but for whatever reason, you know, this guy bought um, like an offshoot of one of the, the big clubs around here in nationals. He was like, I, you know, having a 20 year old with no license, like it's a little bit of a liability, like we can't have them, but that was, you know, after I'd already given up my sister's team um, and I just put in apps and at 21, I got a high school head coaching job. Like, after the season started um, in Pontiac, Michigan, which um, is very much like Flint GM was there and then pulled out and it's a super impoverished area. Um, my entire team was Hispanic kids, most of them first generation, um, you know, Americans, if they didn't come over as kids um, and at 21 being thrown into coaching a group of kids where you don't really speak their language and they all have stuff going on at home, you know, it was rough. Um, it was three years. It was really fun for me though. I loved it. Like I was driving back and forth um, 45, 50 minutes from Detroit to Pontiac coaching these guys every day. And like, we barely had uniforms, um, you know, being 21 and trying to uh, corral a bunch of 16, 17, 18 year olds is not easy <laughs> at all. Um, and then thinking back on it, I was like, what did I, how did I even get into that? Um, there's just so many awesome stories, but like the biggest thing with, with that group of kids is like, you pretty much had to like do shuttle runs and drop them off at home after practice. Cause no one's coming to pick them up. Everyone's at work, you know, or guys are walking or, I mean, I know my mom would come to every game and feed them. Um, Cause a lot of them, like if they didn't go home, like how are they going to get food and did mom cook anything? Like, um, so it was, that was wild. Um, and I, I coached the girls there for two years and the boys there for three years. Um, just an amazing experience for that to be my first job. Cause that's, that's a job that I don't think anyone in the industry, um, I, the, the guy they've had since I left has been there and he works not for that district, but for the intermediate school district in that County. So, and he's, he can get resources that way, but I mean, you know, grabbing a job that I don't think anyone would take at, at that age. I just look back and I'm like, wow. I mean, it was, it was truly a immersive learning experience. So a lot of things to kind of work through there. The yeah. one thing that kind of popped out to me is 
how awesome was it that that woman um, that ended up giving you rides to practice and stuff just kept kind of harping on, there's something about you that I think would be really good as a coach. How powerful was that for you to one kind of like, no, I'm good. But then she kept going at it. And now here we are. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, you know, I, me and her were, were close friends for four or five years. And then, you know, her daughter got older, went to college and, and life and everything. But I mean, I, that was awesome. And I, I still am, am so thankful uh, for Alex, just kind of harping on, I'm like, no, this kid like knows his stuff. Um, and, and for someone to to treat a 19 year old kid, um, you know, that's that's a, a little different. Like, I, I, you know, I'll be straight up with you, and you're an educator, so you understand. I'm dysgraphic, dyscalcic, definitely neurodivergent somewhere on the spectrum. But I went to Catholic school, so they only cared about the dysgraphic part. Um, so, you know, a socially awkward 19 year old, and kind of take them under your wing because they they understood. Uh, you know, what I was able to see on the field and, and stuff was awesome. And I, like, I'm, I'm so grateful for it because it's, it's turned into, you know, I'm, I'm 30 and this was year 10 or 11. So it's awesome. The other thing that I love was you were talking about, there wasn't time for spring soccer because of, you know, scouts, but then here we are, you working with this team that you're not sure what's going on at home and who's eating and mom all of a sudden hops in and she is now supporting it. How cool has it been to kind of see that her ability to now go from scouts is pretty, you know, soccer is good, but now I'm going to be supporting you as much as you are supporting the players. Yeah, she, I mean, she, my mom's been awesome. Um, with that first job, she was there almost every game. And then, um, you know, when I got to my further steps down the road, we'll talk about, she just got busy with work you know, where, where the drive was too much. And, you know, my, my little sister at that time when I was at Pontiac was in sixth, seventh grade. So once my sister went to high school and there's driving there, cause the high school we went to is an hour away from our house. So obviously she had responsibilities with my sister, but um, it was awesome. My mom, like my mom, my little sister and my mom's uh, sister, Dawn, who ironically is like my behind my house neighbor. Um, cause our family owns the whole plot of land. Like, they were my biggest supporters through that first job. They've, they've been huge supporters since, you know, with work and, and life, they're not able to be there as much, but I'm um, like this last year for our big playoff game, like they all were able to show up, which they hadn't been able to, like when I was at Gross Point North uh, the previous few years, like we went deep in the playoffs and they just couldn't get there because of work. But for that one, they're like, no, he's a head coach again. Like we, we have to be there. So it was really cool. You talk about all the amazing takeaways from that first experience at Pontiac. At what point does, Carrick make that move to go on to a different coaching spot? So um, I could kind of tell the AD wanted to go in a different direction and not that we had any issue at all. I, you know, I got along with him. I, there, when you're in a district like that, that, that's got other stuff going on bigger than sports, you know, that's, it's the last thing they're thinking about. Uh, and I, you know, the girls, we, we kind of mutual is like, this isn't working. I don't want to do it anymore. So that boys season, uh, I just kind of looked at it at the end and I, I kind of talked to the guys and their families and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm graduated undergrad now, or I hadn't graduated by the way, we'll get to that in a second, but I was done living there. Um, and, and I was like, it was just a good time to kind of walk away and see what else is there. And it was tough because that was my identity through my early twenties, you know, and like, I, I tell my group of friends this all the time. Like, I'm really sorry that like, we're all still friends, but I'm, I'm not in the inner circle anymore. And a lot of that is probably because of all the time I've spent with soccer when they were like 
still going out to the bars before everyone was married and had kids. But um, it was such a big part of my identity that it, I, I struggled through that year for sure. Like looking for that next job. So I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, but when I left there, I, I ended up, so fall of 2016, I leave Pontiac. Spring of 2017, I coached my sister again um, when she was a sophomore with my high school coach, which was an awesome experience that I would never, ever do again. Um, because me and my high school coach, I, I love Jason to death. He's one of my mentors. I talk to him all the time. Super awesome educator, great principal, going to be a great superintendent somewhere someday. Was a great athletic director for a long time, but we are completely different. This is a guy who I, you could break his toe and he wouldn't swear. And I am the complete opposite. Like, this. <laughs> um, And then coaching my sister when she's 16 compared to when she was in middle school, there's a lot of like, I'm not going to listen to you. Like, and we, me and my, my sister's one of my best friends, despite our nine year age difference. But like at that time it was, it was like two Rams. Like <laughs> there was one game where, where Jason was like, so am I kicking her off the team or you? One of you's got to go. I don't know. I need you more. So if she wants to go sit with your mom. <laughs> um, but it, it was good. I learned a lot from that because I was really struggling as a trainer at that time. And Jason was, I think the bluntest, if not the bluntest, one of the bluntest anyone's ever been was like, I get you have dysgraphia and setting up cones and training's hard, but we need to figure out an intervention or this is never going to work. Um, then you're smarter than that. So where where is the anxiety coming from? Why isn't the training better? And I was like, we only have eight kids. You know, we don't are we're an itty bitty school with not a lot of kid, girls. He goes, okay, but like, you should understand from how how you learn. Get our six or seven high level girls doing something. Pull your sister and a few of the other ones. Get them doing a, a like a small rondo where they we'd have to we're just passing the ball. We're locking our ankle and passing. He goes and you you can't figure that like he he didn't tear into me he was super cool about it um but to to get told by like your mentor like you need to figure this out or no one's gonna hire you was one of the best things i think has, that has ever happened to me like i did not like it that day i was mad at him for about a month um my mom called me and was like you need to go have a drink with him or he's not going to talk to you like he's really upset um, and I was still living at home at the time. So my mom got uh, both sides of it for me and my sister. And my sister like mouthed off to him, like, why did you tear into him? Um, but it was it was the biggest thing I needed at the time. One of the things that I've loved just so far about listening to this is your ability to just kind of put yourself out there. Like you talk about high school, like I was not at a, the highest level. I was pretty much there, like you said, to protect some of the more talented guys that were moving on. You went to Detroit Mercy and we we're going to try to walk on like you kept kind of putting yourself out there and dealt with kind of what some people look at like adversity. What has it been for you? Like even this conversation with the coach, how have you been able to continually kind of take it at first emotionally deal with it? It sounds like, but then to actually let it kind of seep in and go, you know what, looking back, like even the experience with the at Pontiac and dealing with the players and their situations and saying how impactful that was for you at that time. How, where has this kind of ability to kind of like keep pushing through come from? I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's ingrained in me from a young age. Um, you know, I, I went to private school in the nineties when 
and you're older than me when you've been in education, but like no one knew what dysgraphia was. Like a lot of these teachers were like, why can't this kid write in cursive and spell? Like, and, and until like third grade, like, no, he's doing something wrong. And my mom was like, I assure you he's not like, look at his test scores. Um, so just from a young age, like being different than everyone else and having to figure it out and sometimes having to figure it out myself. Um, you know, I, I've just learned like, you're going to get, life's going to hit you. And like, you, you got to take it and process it. And sometimes it takes a year to process, but um, you just have to keep trying. Like you can't give up. That's, that's my main thing with everything. Like even I tell my players all the time, like we, we played a super tough schedule this year where some of my good friends with their number one or two team, like dropped six or seven goals on us. And we're not that bad of a team, but I was like, just keep playing. Like, just don't give, like, they don't want to mercy you. They're just good. Like, you know, you just have to keep at it. Like some days aren't your day and today isn't it. But if we give up, like it just looks bad on us. Like we don't want to be the team that gets mercy. They don't want to do it. They're not actively trying. Um, but for me, like just with everything in, in this profession, I, I, I've always kind of felt like an outsider for sure. So I just, and, and kind of doing everything, Self-talk's the wrong word because I've had some some good mentors and we'll talk about some of them in a little bit, but like not having played club, like not really having, like I played at an itty bitty high school, you know, I don't know what it would be for you in Ohio, but for us here, it's like D4, like anybody under 240 kids or 50 kids, um, but loving, you know, the game and, and, and really wanting to get good at it. So there's just always been that voice in the back of my head, like you have something to prove. Um, and and now it's kind of gone away because I I've done well a few times, but now like, you know, this year I didn't ask to be my district chair, be all state like they asked me. They were like, hey, you can run a meeting, you know, you can rub elbows with some of these guys who've coached for forty years, and not let them push you around. Um, so I I think just that not giving up it has led to good things. Um, I mean, but I I struggle with it sometimes. Like, don't get me wrong, I I'm a super anxious guy. My anxiety's always been an issue, but it's in my head, I guess, man, it's, it's more of is anxiety winning today or are you going to try what you want to do? And, and there's a way of one of them's got to go. So, you know, sometimes it just push through it. I, I don't want to say fake it till you make it, but there was definitely some times where I had to was like, I don't know how to manage this, but we're going to go in and give it the best I can. So you go through the process of like coaching your sister and talking about kind of banging heads and with your ex coach or high school coach and all that. Is there a, at that point, do you realize maybe this is not the situation I need to be in right now and I need to start moving on or what happens next for Carrick in terms of his coaching journey? Um, so at that time it was kind of weird. Like I had finished all but one class for undergrad. I had to go back and retake stats cause I, I got like a 59.99 instead of a 60. Um, cause I can't do like, I had a math exemption, but in order to graduate, you had to take stats. Even if you had a math exemption, thank God my college roommate came in. He's like, I will do the math part. It's online. You do all the writing. We'll get you through it, buddy. Um, so I was in a weird holding pattern with what I was doing for a career. Cause I have a, a dual major in psych and communications. And, I, uh, those are two things that are hard to make a living on with an undergrad degree. Um, so I went and I was working at Starbucks ironically. Um, and I, I saw a posting for a JV job. It was like June. And I was like, well, I'll put in for it. We'll try. Uh, I don't really want to be a JV coach, but I'm only 23, 24, or 24 at the time. So I was like, 
most people haven't been a head coach at 24. Um, I honestly never thought about giving up. It was more of just keep looking like something's going to, you found the other job at Pontiac when you weren't really looking like something's going to pop. Um, I ended up getting the JV job at Sterling Heights. I was the JV coach for a year and then the varsity coach left and they bumped me up to varsity and I was the varsity coach there for two years. Um, totally different experience from Pontiac, um, a school that used to be really good at soccer. Demographics changed a little bit, um, but a huge melting pot of mostly Chaldean and Assyrian Americans with a nice splash of Eastern European mixed in. So tons of personalities to manage all at once. Um, a lot of cultural stuff I don't understand. Um, and it was really fun. I enjoyed it for the three years I was there. I have some really good relationships with some of my former players there. Um, I had a really good relationship with all the administration there. Um, you know, the, my AD who ended up being a vice principal is now a vice principal at a way bigger district. Um, I'm still friends with the principal there. I, I talk to him. I don't want to say monthly, but you know, three or four times a year. Um, I've seen him at some, you know, meetings with our ISD just from counseling stuff I have to go to. Um, and that was good for, you know, three years. Um, the teachers in the union there, one of them wanted my job. So they protected it for a year and a half, but, the way the teacher union there is they were going to get it. So I was like, okay, no problem. Firm handshake. Thanks everybody. Um, but I, I really liked that job. I think the cool thing about that was like, that's really where I think I, I figured it out. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. Like for instance, uh, my first year as varsity coach, the 80 straight up told me, it's like, you should cut all, but like two or three of your seniors. Like these kids are just going to give you trouble. Like they're not going to show up. They're a problem in school. And I looked at him like, well, I like talent, so no. Um, and I probably should have cut them because those guys didn't like me um, and kind of started the whole thing with the teachers. But, you know, you can never predict. And I wasn't – I was a building sub there my last year. But, so, but you can never predict what's going on. Um, but it was, it was just a new way of learning. That's when I really, like – I went to all possession-based everything. I went to – we're going to train all summer long – um, I started doing two a days, which they had never done there before, uh, for, for tryout week, um, and started trying to, at Pontiac, I played a hard schedule for Pontiac, but there I, I made the schedule as hard as possible. Um, I think both years I was a varsity coach, we won six or seven games. And then the year after I left, they won their conference. So I must've done something right developing those guys. And, you know, the guy I took over for me, Kevin did a great job with them, but, um, it was just, I didn't see it through, um. It was a really good gig. I really enjoyed it. Um, my goalie from there, he's graduate. He's uh, in his fourth year at Carthage right now, and he just won Defensive Player of the Year for his conference. So, um, And I actually didn't know he was still playing <laughs> until this year. He texted me because I thought he, he took a year off. And then he's like, hey, yeah, I just won this. And I was like, oh, you're still playing. Cool. Um, so, no, that was fun. And then um, – I left there and uh, my best friend in the industry that I ironically met on Twitter um, is, was at Gross Point North, which is one of the historically really good programs in Southeastern Michigan. He's like, I need an assistant coach. Mine's going to one of the teams in your division in your conference. I was like, cool. I need a job, Brad. Thanks. And it was, so I was there for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. Um, had teams that were ranked all year long. Um, and then our 2021 team lost in double overtime to a, a team that went to the final four. Um, I mean, just two amazing teams. Like I, I, 
th- th- it was like literally you have high school seasons where like this might be the best team I've ever coached and I got to do it twice our, our 2020 team lost to their arch rival and PKs in the third round of the playoffs like the most heartbreaking thing but um just to uh, like I, I could talk about those two teams for 10 hours like <laughs> I mean just flush with talent if not so if not guys who their primary sport is soccer, their primary sport was something else that they played in in college or, or did well at, um, and just really good people. And it's, it was awesome to have that going on when kind of the world was going upside down. I could at least go to my, you know, happy place. So, and obviously super blessed to have Brad as a friend. I mean, I, and I've told him this before because he's, he's been teetering on if he's going to make a change where he's at, but I told him like, Hey man, you're always welcome with me. You picked me up and grabbed me up when I was in, the worst spot of my coaching career. So, you know, I'm, I'm forever indebted because you don't get friends like that that call you and you're like, well, nope, sorry, you're not done. Here's a job. Um, so just, just super thankful to have friends like that. The one thing that I've loved is you've almost had like a, almost like a salad bar sample of programs. You know, you talk about yeah. the Pontiac experience too. Um, you know, the other one where you said I kept them, so the seniors and found out that when character is not there, it ruins, it's like a cancer and just kind of spreads mm-hmm. going to a program. That's like a perennial, just solid top notch program. What was it, I guess that from all of those experiences, what are some of the things that kind of resonate with you in terms of like your takeaway from Pontiac and then your moves um, to where you are now? Like, I guess maybe in my head, I was wondering what made that last group and even earlier, and I'm going all over the place here, but you're, you're you talked about your all state guy not only being really talented, but like crushing it in the classroom, wants to be a doctor, like all those types of things. What's so special about like those teams that are super spectacular, I guess, in a way? I, you know, I, I think this, and I was actually saying this um, about some of the teams we had, you know, Troy Athens won in Michigan like their fifth or sixth state title this year. And, and the, the, and I, I've coached the college kids in the summer and we could talk about that too, but you know, the knock on that program was always, well, a lot of their kids don't play in college. You know, they're, they're these phenomenal high school players, you know, breaking records. They don't play in college, but they're really well-rounded rounded kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Nolan that I had at Woodhaven this year, like might not play in college, super well-rounded kid, like played four or five sports involved in DECA and student council and, got good grades my guys at gross point north like played one or two sports or you know at least when they were younger maybe freshman sophomore year but um you know senior year focused on soccer or baseball or whatever um but you know well-rounded kids good in the classroom and i'm not saying the kids that aren't good in the classroom don't make good players because i've had plenty of those that do but when you have a bunch of guys that kind of do a sampling of everything um i mean it, it just makes for such good chemistry and character on the field. And like um, my starting center back at Gross Point North, the, the year we went to the elite eight, like just a, a 4.5 kid that got a full ride to Kenyon, like the superintendent's kid, but not an amazing soccer player by any, like never played high level club at all, you know, just, but just a hard worker, like, you know, that, so having guys like that um, and it, it's the, the thing about high school, and I, I've co- been an assistant for some high school girls teams, as well, but I, I don't talk about it a lot, but great mentors I got out of it. Um, it's so hard with high school boys to get that good group. Like a lot of, even if, if they're good kids, they play well, um, they still might not mesh well. Like that was kind of my group this year. I had a lot of great kids. I lot like 
the most fun group I've ever had. But when it came down to adversity and stuff, we struggled a little bit with personalities and that's okay. Where, you know, at North, for some reason that didn't happen. I don't know if it's the way they grew up in community together. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's the one thing about high school I've been trying to figure out is what is, what is the, the secret to success? But I, there's definitely something of having a bunch of well-rounded kids. Cause I, I feel like well-rounded kids that do multiple things are easier to get to buy in because they're doing so much stuff. You know, if they're in student council, they're probably not the leader if they're doing all these other things. Or if, you know, they're playing two or three sports, they're not the captain on every team. You know, they might just be a role player. Um, so I think that's part of it. I, I think if, from a school counseling perspective, in this post-COVID world, it's going to be ever-changing on, on what we get to get these kids to mesh. Because the further down we go, the kids coming up were younger when, you know, they went online and stuff. And, and, and I noticed that... I didn't, so last year was the only year I didn't coach high school soccer, the first time I've ever taken a year off. Um, and I noticed from 2021 to this group in 2023, I'm seeing more stuff at soccer that I'm noticing with kids I'm dealing with at school, like it, with interacting with peers and with problem solving and stuff that I didn't see before. So I'm like, okay, that's that. You know, I don't know what you guys call it down there. We call it learning loss here. That's the the hot button thing. They're pushing schools. We're like, well, that's the emotional learning loss. Because they, you know, when you take, even if you were seeing people, when you take them out of school, they're not having that constant, you know, interaction. So I think that's that's the biggest thing is getting guys that mesh well. Because um, I had an amazing group this year that I, like probably my favorite group ever. Um, and just when push came to shove, it was like, okay, we're going to work as hard as we can. We didn't get the result we want. And maybe that's just luck. Um, where before it felt like something would click and they'd push through that. You just mentioned taking a year off from coaching. What, you know, a lot of coaches that we just grind and we grind and we go and it's like a nonstop treadmill. Um, how impactful or beneficial was that for you to kind of take a step back before you, I guess, hop back on the treadmill? Um. It was really hard, honestly. Um, depressing is not the right word, um, but there was a lot of, man, I missed this. Um, I just needed to do it for grad school. I've been going to grad school and coaching for four years now, um, and balancing those two things is ridiculously hard. Um, and I, I kind of just needed to do it for me. Um, but it, it was it was a reset that was needed. I um. 2019, 2020, 2021, I was real heavy with coaching the college kids in the summer. I was running a club. I mean, I, w I was recruiting 40 to 60 men's players and 20 to 30 women's players. And I was the, um, essentially the GM. So I was, you know, the one going to college games and going to club games and, um, you know, trying to get these kids to commit to play for us. Um, and a thousand percent without the pandemic, I would have burnt myself out then. So it was really nice last year to be like, okay, well, now you've gone, you finally got over the hill, you had a team that won. Let's let's take a, a reset. Um, and I, I, it made this year a lot easier. Um, there were some times that I was like, you know, stressed out, but I, I don't have the, I still bring it home with me, but I, I don't bring it home with me in the same way I did before. Before, like, I'd come home, 
you know, all I would talk about at work or with whoever I was seeing at the time or my mom was soccer, 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 soccer. Like now you talk to me about it, I'll talk your ear off. But if you didn't bring it up, once I get home, I just want to relax. Um, and I think taking that year off gave me that perspective to like, okay, we can just kind of shut it down now. As you look forward, so you've just got that first year done at Woodhaven and you look kind of forward, are, are there big kind of coaching goals in terms of where you want to be at? Or are you just kind of like, I'm happy at Woodhaven. Let's just keep crushing it here and we'll kind of see how things go. It seems like every time kind of like a door closes, another one opens up for you. Um, where's Carrick at right now in his journey and what's he looking forward to? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm happy just coaching boys. Um, I, if a girl's job popped up right now, cause I, with my school schedule, like I could do it in the spring. Um, the Woodhaven girls job opened and I was like, I, I can't do the drive all year long. Like I can do it half the year, but I, I can't do it all year long. Um, I no, I I'm just happy coaching a high school boys team. Um, if, if I did two or three more seasons and then called it quits, I might be okay. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you, um, if that's the truth or not. Um, but no, I, you know, I'm just happy. I'm at the point in my career now where even if I don't have a super competitive team, like just getting in, like, like trying to make guys better. Um, I'm happy. You know, I, I, I had these aspirations for a long time to coach college and I have some friends where, you know, if I finished grad school and they got a job, I, I would consider moving out of state to work with them. Um, but pre 2019, it was like, Nope, you like, you have to coach college. You have to figure it out. Like you're going to get to that level where now it's like, yeah, if it comes great. It does it great, but um, I just have a lot of perspective now. I, I I was talking to one of my parents at Woodhaven, um, whose son oldest son plays in Niagara, um, and he's like, "Time out. This is how many years, and you're 30." I go, "Yep." He goes, "Well, I mean, you could take 10, 15 years off with how the way half these guys are going." Um, so no, I I'm super content with where I'm at. I I like the kids that I have coming back, and that was. I was struggling with, am I going to go back because of the drive or not? Because the drive is so much. And especially like when the season ends and there's no games left and you're going down to collect uniforms and stuff, it's tough. But I was like, no, I, for sure, like I got to graduate these juniors. I have, I have too good of relationships with these guys to give them four coaches in four years. They don't deserve that. Um, so I, I'm content where I'm at now. The other thing that I've loved and resonated is just the idea of family. Like you mentioned, living in your grandparents' home and then the neighborhood is kind of interconnected with the family. How important has just having that, like mom was there, you talked about earlier, and then like coming to playoff games and coaching your sister. And like there's been this kind of nonstop kind of theme of family always seem to kind of creep right back in. Um, and here you are living in the house that you know that your grandparents we're in how important has family been for you not just as a coach but all the way through i mean it's it's huge you know i i don't have a big family my my parents are both older um and you know a lot of their relatives have passed on so it's it's really you know me my mom my aunt my sister my parents are divorced they're still really good friends and, and my dad's around he lives north towards flint but i i see him you know four or five times a month and for holidays and stuff um but all of them like even my dad who because he was working, I think came to 10 of my soccer games, my whole career and maybe eight or nine of my sisters. Um, they brag so much about me coaching, even if it's bad. Um, <laughs> they all do like, that's what they lead with. Um, and 
they are so amazingly proud of me and it's like I don't want to start crying but it's awesome like my my sister because she's the introvert of the two of us will introduce me to him like this is my brother and he's a school counselor and he coaches soccer and he's really good at both of them um and he sits on the floor with crying kids all day long like it, it's just so awesome they've they've been great and and that's what's made me be able to kind of keep going even when stuff with my coaching career has been bad is like my family's so supportive and they're like no go do it like you know even if if sometimes i don't think that i fit in um you know because i'm kind of an outsider they're like no just keep doing it like um my mom especially like has been my biggest cheerleader from a little kid like just because you have this learning disability doesn't mean you can, you know, we had teachers tell me when I was little, like, he's never going to graduate high school. He's never going to go to college. And I'm about to finish a master's degree. And like, she reminds me of that all the time. Like, you remember those, those teachers that said, cause you can't spell, you couldn't do this. I was like, yep. We should find out where they live and send them a picture. Um, but no, just, just that push. I think like I told my mom last year, like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to coaching. And she started laughing at me. She's like, okay. And then I told her where I took a job and she's like, that's an hour away. And that didn't even cross your mind. And I go, no, ma, didn't, not even worried about it. I, I, the drive doesn't bother me. Um, so no, it, it's been awesome. I, I think the other biggest thing for my coaching career that I did. So 2020, I moved my friend Rudy Reutiger into my house from he was at Panhandle State before Bailey got there. Okay. Um, and I had him move across the country to Michigan from Oklahoma um, and move in with me for a year. And he was a, a GA for Eric at Oakland. Um, so I moved a guy in who's coached overseas, coached NAI, JUCO, D1, um, and watched how meticulous these guys who their whole career is coaching are. And he – Rudy's one of my best friends. I'm going to be in his wedding next year. Um, that is what made me stop and go, okay, maybe I don't need to coach D1 tomorrow uh, because it doesn't shut off for those guys. It, it doesn't shut off. At, like it doesn't shut off in the off season when they're not recruiting. Like they're, it doesn't shut off. Um, you know, every conversation, not for the whole year of, he was here from like July of 2020 to July of 2021 when he went down to, he's at Blinn. Um, down in Texas, but that like one, it was an amazing learning experience because when you're learning from someone with, you know, who's in their early forties with 20 plus years of college coaching experience and international recruiting experience and coached, you know, professionally in Lithuania, like made me an absolute, I think that's why I did really good in 2021 and 20 or 2020 and 2021. And this year, cause I, I had all those tools that I learned from them, but I also saw the other side of it. <laughs> um, and I know me and I, I know I burn out easily. And like, it was kind of like, okay, I really want to, like, if he gets a head coaching job uh, down in Texas, I, there, there's a few HBCUs that he's really interested in and has connections with. I might grab the dog and go down there for a year or two, but um, it was just wild to learn. Um, and it, it, my mom knew what I was doing too. Cause I asked her, like, can I move my friend in that I've met three times? And she's like, yeah, is he your age? I go, no, ma'am, he's 41. <laughs> um, and she's like, your your cousin and his fiance live with you. I go, he'll live in the basement. Can we just get him a mattress? <laughs> um, but it was, 
it was so odd. Like just to soak up someone with that much experience, like a sponge for a year was the best thing I could have ever done for my coaching career. Like a hundred percent. Kirk, this has been awesome. And that's a great yeah. little anecdote to end this chat. This yeah. is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Carrick Jones, and I'm out. Peace. Take care, man. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.